Hello and welcome to Mega City Book Club, the podcast all about the galaxy's greatest comics. I'm Brother Eamon Clark and my guest is Brother Sheridan Kelly. Welcome back to the book club, Sheridan. Credo. <laughs> so, quickly before we get to it, how are you and Rachel doing at the moment in lockdown? Well, luckily we both work from home, or we are now working from home. I've never worked from home before uh, about six weeks ago, but it seems to be working okay. I can see my neighbour's gardens are my own garden, so I can see cats and birds all day long while I'm trying to work. Excellent. The great outdoors. Okay, let's get straight to it, because we've got a lot to cover. Tell us about the volume that you've chosen for the book club to come back again. So, I was inspired by the recent Hachette uh, collection of Nemesis for Warlock. I previously had all of the Titan editions, and I still do have them, but the Titan editions stopped before Nemesis uh, was completed as a story. So when Hachette came out collecting everything, almost, uh, right up to the last couple of stories, uh, I just had to have it. Excellent. So we're looking at, we did last year, of course, we did Free Comic Book Day and we did the first Hachette volume of Nemesis the Warlock. And of course, we were supposed to be doing the same thing this year, but uh, there is no Free Comic Book Day. Um, in fact, as we record, it is, what, May the 9th and we were supposed to, Probably, I think, to be at Lawless this weekend, were we, I think? We were, yes. Was that next weekend? Might be next weekend. Might be next weekend, okay. So it was around about this time we're supposed to be at a convention, but obviously not. We're in our rooms, we're on Skype, but here we are, talking about Nemesis the Warlock, Volume 2 from Hachette, the Ultimate Collection, collects books 4, 5 and 6 from ne- of Nemesis. So we've got progs from 387 all the way up to 504, covers the years 1984 1985 1986 obviously all written by pat mills we've got art by kevin o'neill but mainly brian talbot lettered steve potter and of course steve mcmanus recent book club guest was the editor of 2008 at the time so sheridan we've set ourselves this task of working through the ultimate collection nemesis the warlock we start with this volume. We've got book four, The Gothic Empire. Now, of course, we have done The Gothic Empire on the podcast before, episode 29 with Luke Williams. So we're not going to spend an awful lot of time on the first part of this book, but tell us a little bit about The Gothic Empire and particularly your recollections of reading it at the time. Yeah, so when I started getting 2008, uh, book three started running within the first couple of weeks of my actually buying the progs. It seems to be quite common at that time that if you bought your progs to a newsagent, you might not be able to get it every week because I had quite a few gaps. So I didn't have the whole of book three uh, in a progs as it came out. When book four came out, I had got myself a regular order at my local newsagent. So I did manage to get every single episode and keep up to date with it. I had really, really been looking forward to seeing all that Kevin O'Neill artwork, having fallen in love with it in book three. And then so what we got was earlier Kevin O'Neill artwork that wasn't quite so developed. And then we had an entirely different artist after three weeks. So my initial impressions were not that good. So, yes, of course, you get the first, is it the first two episodes are are drawn by Kevin O'Neill? Yes. And then... I mean, let me see if I can remember the chronology of this. This was originally, I think, intended to appear earlier in the Nemesis sort of 
storyline or timeline. Yes. Um, and then was Kevin O'Neill busy doing something for American comics at this stage? Yeah, he had gone over to America by that point. Right. So Brian Tolbert comes in and takes over, and we get this weirdly wonderful steampunk story of the Gothic Empire, this race of aliens who've decided to ape Victorian Britain as their sort of uh, role model for their society. It is, as ever, I think as we talked about last time, it's great fun. There's lots of sort of creeping around and uh, various monsters and Torquemada stalking the streets, isn't there? Yes. So that happens. It's book four, and as you say, it perhaps caught you by surprise when it came out, but you were reading it off the shelf at the time. Yeah, I was about eight or nine years old at the time. Right. I mean, what did you think? Can you remember what you thought about the artwork then? Were you still disappointed that it wasn't Kevin O'Neill? Well, the first two episodes were Kevin O'Neill, but they weren't the Kevin O'Neill from book three, which I prefer his book three style. So this had gone back about three years in his artistic development. Or there were a few good pictures in there, but it just wasn't the same to me. I do like it all now. This is sort of going back to my first impressions when I was nine years old, what I'm doing here. It's interesting that in the Hachette volume, we've got to get an introduction by Matt Smith. And at the back of the book, as ever, we get a bit of an interview. Yes. This time it is with Brian Tolbert himself. Yeah. I'm actually just looking for the credit as to who did the interview which I can't find at the moment. Oh, it is Carl Stock. Yeah, Carl Stock did the interview. Um, and in it, I think he mentions, Brian Tolbert mentions that this was what he regarded as the second steampunk comic, the first being his own Luther Arkwright. Um, and before we recorded, uh, we were talking a little bit about Luther Arkwright and whether or not we might uh, pick that to come on the to do on the book club at some point in the future. Because that's an interesting one as well, though I haven't read it since it came out. Yeah. So by the time Luther Arkwright came out, I did like Brian Talbot's artwork, and I did actually meet him at a comic shop. So uh, we'll get on to that, I think, when we get to the next book. That's book five rather than the next Hachette book, so still today. So uh, the other thing, of course, that happens in the Gothic Empire, which we talked about with Luke Williams, is that it sees the return to the pages of the prog of the ABC Warriors... Uh, here drawn by Brian Tolbert, obviously, yeah. with Metquake coming back in. Uh, Hammerstein in his rather sort of... This was in his sort of depressed, almost suicidal phase for Hammerstein, yeah. isn't it? And this is the second time that Brian Tolbert has drawn the ABC Warriors, and it's also the second time they've been guesting in a different strip. So in my prog slog, I've recently done one of the annuals. Oh, right. Uh, in that annual, it's got Raybusters where Hammerstein gets hit on a head on a building site in London and has a flashback to ABC Warriors days. Ah. So we see we see the ABC Warriors drawn by Brian Talbot, but guesting in Robusters. That's the Alan Moore story. Ah. But here they are as well. And, um, of course, it also features one of the biggest spoilers in the history of 2000 AD. We keep saying that about various spoilers, but, you know, the comic does have them. And it's a huge reveal... Uh, towards the end of the Gothic Empire about the identity of, um, well, who Deathlock is. Yes, Deathlock, Deathlock and uh, Nemesis and, yeah. and Chaos. Yes, and all of that stuff. And all, you know, beautiful black and white Victorian steampunk work by Brian Tolbert and Pat Mills' uh, weird and wonderful ideas about this um, off-world society. So 
So great stuff. Uh, that's book four. Anything else that you sort of, and from your notes that you missed or went over your head at the time from book four? Um, I didn't get quite all of the references to Victorian society. Uh, I think Starblower. No, I wouldn't have known that Starblower was a reference to Hornblower. All right. Yes, of course. I definitely wouldn't have got um, what are the names. I'm just going back to my notes. Uh, I probably wouldn't have known that Mafeking was a city in South Africa. I wouldn't have got all of the Lucknow, Khartoum, uh, Ion Duke. I wouldn't have known that Admiral Beattie was actually a first sea lord after the Great War. I probably wouldn't have known that Scarpa Flow was uh, a place where we kept our fleets. Things like the quote from the Iron Duke where it says, uh, what's the matter with our blasted ships today, was uh, was adapted from a quote by the Earl Beattie. There seems to be something wrong with our bloody ships today. So all, right. all of these things would have gone over my head. Right, yes, because uh, Pat Mills is ever peppering his stuff with uh, references to uh, you know real history and uh, real events, real characters. So yeah, I like the Iron Duke. I thought he was you know that was a nice one. Yeah, brilliantly done. And just little terms like metal fatigue. Uh, I wouldn't have heard the term metal fatigue in reference to real world engineering. So to me, metal fatigue is when robots start to get a bit old and overtaken by ennui. Yes, yeah, it's a perfect term for Hammerstein, really, isn't it? The metal fatigue. Yeah, <laughs> he is. Okay, so next up in this volume, after book four, The Gothic Empire, we get an interlude episode uh, called Ego Trip, which came uh, just one... Was this a one-off from Prog 4.30? Yeah. So this is, to me, this is a sort of proper Kevin O'Neill contemporary artwork at that time. Yeah. So I imagine I would have liked it a bit more than I liked the first two episodes of Gothic Empire. Uh, I do hasten to add... I. While I didn't like it at the time, and I was a bit disappointed when it changed to Brian Talbot, I did quickly start to like Brian Talbot and earlier Kevin O'Neill's artwork. But that's just nine-year-old me didn't didn't appreciate these things. Yes, I know. We sometimes we our appreciation of this artwork uh, grows obviously with time, and we go back and look at some of this stuff. Um, maybe like myself, we just whiz through the stories at the time. Yeah. But now we can go back and you know sort of soak up the artwork yeah like i'll look at episode three of gothic empire now and think how could i not have liked that at the time what was wrong <laughs> well we could you know we could all go back and talk to our younger selves and give them a bit of a telling off couldn't we yep i wouldn't have cut i wouldn't have uh, taken off some of those star scans and put them on the wall for a start <laughs> i did i did eventually take them off the wall and then try to stick them back onto comics and that is where they live to these days but yeah, a little bit messy, some of those early ones I had. And we'd all tell our younger self to nip out and buy those original art pages that were going for £20 each, yep. um, which seemed like a lot of money then. But now you think, oh, my goodness, I wish I'd bought all those pages. Oh, and don't uh, keep your felt tips pens away from your comics. <laughs> if I am, don't do the colouring in. Yeah, if they were meant to be in colour, they'd have been in colour in the first place. Okay, let's turn to the next book. So the middle section of this volume two yep. is Ven- Nemesis to Warlock, book five, The Vengeance of Thoth. Yes, so this is my anecdote about Brian Talbot. Oh, right. So by that time, I had started to like Brian Talbot's artwork, and certainly by the time it was collected in Titan Editions, I did. Now, shortly after this, Brian was doing a tour for The Adventures of Luther Arkwright, 
And this is the Valkyrie edition, which is the first time the story actually got completed. And even though I, I think by that time I was about 10 or 11 years old, uh, he convinced me to buy the first two uh, issues of that. Plus, I got uh, book five, The Vengeance of Voth, which was numbered book four by Titan, because I missed out Redondo's artwork. Yes, yes, that's so, right. So, Pride of Place, I'll just get that down from a bookshelf. I've got what they called book four, signed, and with a little picture by Brian Talbot of Deadlock. Oh, right. How lovely. And somehow I also got this big poster of Luther Arkwright. I don't think I bought it because Luther Arkwright wouldn't have meant anything to me. So I think I was just given it by Brian. And this was at a comic mart somewhere. Um, I have met Brian. I had met Brian twice in the 1980s. Once was at a comic mart and the other was at what was called Fantasy World in Hanley, Stoke-on-Trent. Oh, this was the one where he was doing the tour for Luther Arkwright. Yes. Yeah. Ah, right. Okay, well, that's lovely. So tell us a bit about The Vengeance of Thoth. What's the story that's happening to Nemesis the Warlock in The Vengeance of Thoth? Yeah, so prior to this, the stories have been fairly self-contained, but this starts a sequence that lasts for probably about four books, something like that. You know, things that get set up here, carry on, and then they carry on, and then they carry on through quite a few books. And then they also spin off into ABC Warriors for Time Wastes, or the black hole, even. So this is the beginning of quite a long story. Uh, we catch up with Foth ten years after Gothic Empire. Torquemada is dead and is properly dead. But well, <laughs> use, use, using words like for time wastes, you can see that there's time travel involved. Yeah. Uh, so Foth can't punish the person who killed his mother because he died ten years ago. So he goes back in time and picks up an earlier version of Torquemada and then, oh, right. and then puts him in the same kind of time loop that uh, Johnny Alpha put his father in so that he can spend the rest of eternity dying. How horrible, yes. <laughs> if you're going to give a villain a, a demise, then give them one that's stuck in a time loop over and over again. Yep. And meanwhile, Nemesis is getting married. Also delightful, yep. And, yeah, worst thing is that Rob and Donk dies. Yes, I know. One of your favourite little characters. Yeah, I'm sure that as an eight-year-old, I made little plasticine Rob and Donks. <laughs> and so tell us also, because we've got some other um, guest appearances in book five of Nemesis the Warlock. Yeah. You know, uh, Pat Mills reaching back in time, perhaps to pluck out um, some other characters. Yeah, so when ABC Warriors had appeared in... Gothic Empire, I don't think I would have met them at all. They'd just be entirely new characters as far as I was concerned. Even though I knew they were returning, I'd picked up on that, but I wouldn't have been familiar with the characters. This next one, there had been a few episodes of Flesh running in sci-fi specials and possibly annuals as well. So I had seen them. In fact, I would, I'll just check my 1985-2080 annual, see if there's any in there. No, it must just be sci-fi specials. Right. Yeah, so I had seen Old One Eye, so I knew about the family. Now, when this was first published in 2000 AD, there was a flesh file introducing us to Old One Eye and Satanus's family, including Golgotha. So, so I did know the context. I knew that this was related to that dinosaur from flesh. 
Um, yes. So I might as well say, uh, as well as getting Torquemada from a different time period, Foth also gets Satanus from a different time period. Yes, Satanus the dinosaur, the T-Rex, appears at the end of the second episode of book five, I think. We get that marvellous end splash page of yes. uh, his pet, a black tyrannosaur called Satanus, Lord of the Cursed Earth. At last, his satanic majesty has returned. And that's a wonderful image there. And yeah. then it says, next prog, the white hole bypass. So, yeah, fantastic. Um, and Brian Talbot gets to draw uh, Satanus um, in all its glory. Yeah, wonderful stuff. So what did you think when you saw this, you know, appearing in the pages of the prog, this crossover, uh, a dinosaur in Nemesis, Nemesis the Warlock? Um, I think when you're nine years old, you just take it all in your stride, don't you? You've, yeah. You've got dinosaurs, you've got aliens, you've got robots. What more do you want? You've got, uh, you know, Nemesis um, Blitzspear. You've got, as you say, Purity Brown. um all these weird newspaper strips and headlines from Torquemada's world. Yeah, it's great stuff, isn't it? Yep. And tell me about, you know, we've got, again, we're sticking with black and white artwork with Brian Talbot. By this time, you're getting, you know, uh, much more attuned to Talbot's work and you're now a fan of his. Yes. What do you think about his work on book five, The Vengeance of Thoth? What did you think about it here? Yeah, there's loads of good images it is different to Kevin O'Neill's work. So there are some things where I actually prefer Brian Talbot's rendition and some things where I prefer Kevin O'Neill's rendition. I think uh, Brian Talbot does purity better than Kevin O'Neill does. But then Kevin O'Neill, she didn't really feature that highly at the time. No. You know, she was a she was a bit of a background character. There's one episode where she's the main character, but generally she's just in the background. But we do get, as we've said, some wonderful dinosaur art. We get yes. several, I think, three or four big full page images of Satanus. Yeah, and there's one conflict. There's one where, uh, if it was a center spread, it would work much better because it is basically spreading across two pages. So I think I'm looking at that page now where it's Destroy the Devil Beast, some huge sort of uh, Torquemada or Termite warship coming against Satanus. Yeah, Grand Mazarin, uh, Grand Dragon Mazarin's whatever it is. So I'm looking at that now. That's fantastic. And then a few pages before that, we have the Blitzspear and Purity Brown on her motor jet or a jet motorbike um, in the in one of the tubes coming up against Satanus. Yes. Uh, Thoth is sort of floating in the background and that's just like a fantastic powerful image isn't it yeah you've got to love that yeah I mean Conrad from Space Spinner 2000 talks about you know this sort of uh, focus group for kids what the kids like and you know ask them so if you said like spaceships uh, aliens and dinosaurs uh, battling in space yeah that pretty much ticks all the boxes doesn't it yeah so there are some wonderful pages uh, from Brian Talbot's work uh on the vengeance of Thoth and of course we got this sort of um, terrible father-son conflict and this the uh, the sort of alienness of Nemesis the Warlock the fact that I think you mentioned somewhere in your notes this sort of like grown realisation that Nemesis isn't necessarily the good guy is he? No I think I first realised that on Ego Trip Right Because he just takes over some poor soul's body 
and then leads him to a vengeance of Tokimada. And yeah, that's that's that person's life ruined. And for Nemesis, that's just his means of escape. Yes, it is. Uh, and interesting stuff. I mean, I, on the, when I did the episode about Judge Dredd the Pit with Stacey uh, Dutton-Whittle, and um, she was saying about, you know, this idea, is Dredd a good guy? Is Nemesis the Warlock the good guy? Is he the hero? And it's interesting as he goes on that Pat Mills, as ever, has complicated protagonists and antagonists. Um, it's all not straightforward. Yep. And, of course, it leads up to a lovely last-page image of Nemesis with the ABC Warriors again. Um, uh, They're on board this giant ship, and they're heading off into uh, Nemesis and Co. return soon in the Time Wastes. Uh, That's Yeah, I've always had it in my head that it's got two names. That's where I have the other name for this next book. And also, a couple of pages back, you've got that wonderful image of uh, Nostradamus, Torquemada's brother, um, in his sort of dripping, scarred, gory, uh, full horror that takes up the left-hand side of the page, which is wonderful stuff as well, isn't it, by Brian Tolbert? Yeah, there's two pages uh, where you see quite a detailed picture of that. Uh, is it in the same book or a different book? Uh, we saw that a similar image earlier on, didn't we? But it's kind of uh, a big reveal... But there's two, yes. there's two of them, and they look like they took quite a long time to draw. Yes, they do, don't they? Yeah. Anything else about Nemesis to Warlock Book 5 that makes up the sort of middle part of this volume we've got today? Yep, we get a third body for Mechquake. Yes. Actually, we get a fourth body, technically. Oh, right. So we've seen the original, to us, uh, Robuster's body, where he's a bulldozer. We've seen the Siege Engine body from Nemesis Book 3. Uh, in this one, we've got a time scoop ship, which is a robotic time scoop ship. So Mechquake's got that one. And then we've got a more mobile, but not as big as a siege engine, bipedal version as well. Yes, he seems to be frequently getting new bo- new bodies, although his, uh, his essential dialogue doesn't change greatly, thank goodness. No. Uh, yeah I found the page with him wearing the war dozer body of one of his victims yep Uh, as Rojo says blimey he's like welded three dockers welded together yeah (laughs) and uh, yes I said he'd be a black uh, I said he'd be a valuable addition to the squad says Blackbird Um, we'll see which side Metquake's really on so yeah, we love a bit of Metquake and the ABC Warriors, and it was nice to see them again back in the prog. And a beautifully drawn by Brian Tolbert, who does give them that sort of metal fatigue look as well. Yeah, that these robots are now, gosh, how many is it? Are they thousands of years old now? These robots by this stage, we're never told exactly when Termite takes place, but yeah, it's got to be about a few thousand, I think. Yeah, timey-wimey stuff, yep. particularly for a story that's heading to the time wastes. And as you say, you've got these scoop ships that uh, scoop up galactic material and uh, make black holes. Um, okay, so that's book five. Anything else you wanted to mention at all before we move to book six? Continuity is not exactly perfect. Right. So uh, I like my continuity which is a bit of a shame with some of Pat Mills' work because he kind of writes on a fly sometimes and doesn't think too much about what's gone before. And then at other times he connects everything together, which sometimes makes uh, time frames a little bit difficult. But yeah, he's saying that uh, Purity was his prisoner, but 
Purity was his prisoner a bit after he appeared in the first book, if that makes any sense. Okay. Unless unless she's been his prisoner more than once, which is also possible. It's also quite possible for yeah. uh, Nemesis the Warlock, yeah. Yeah. So turn to book six, which is the last section of this volume. Yep. Uh, now you mentioned we mentioned this a few times already that the Titan collections were confusingly numbered. Yeah. Because for some reason the Titan collections chose to leave out Nemesis Book Two, which was drawn by Jesus Redondo. Um, did we ever establish why that was left out? I think it's just that they don't like Redondo's art style. Like they don't. Oh right. I think they didn't like Bellardinelli's art style either, which is why. There's hardly any Bernardinelli in Titans. Okay. So I've got a few Titan collection books. Um, I suspect what happened is that myself and my brother split them up a long time ago. So he's got some and I've got some. So I'm looking at Titan collection, which says book five. But, of course, inside it, although they've uh, they've re-lettered the title pages, it is book six of Nemesis the Warlock. Yes. And it's the one, It's as you say, we thought it was going to be called The Time Waste. It's then called Talky Murder. And it starts at, um, dare we say it, the full two-page splash of... Uh, it's a fan convention, isn't it? Yeah. So uh, in the Hachette editions, you might not pick up on this, but at the time it was printed in the centre pages, so it's in full colour at the time. Brian Talbot uses this fully, so you get loads of splash pages... And, yeah, it makes good use of the art form. Uh, by this time, I'd actually been to a Comic Mart or two. Right, um, and met Brian Tolbert at one of them. Yeah, and at the other one I went to, I met Alan Moore. Oh, blimey, okay. <laughs> yeah, back when he was signing things related to 2080. And yes, when he would sign stuff. I imagine... Before it, people yeah, started I, posting things under the toilet doors to him. Yeah. Sorry, you were about to say, you imagine... Um, yeah, I think if I took something to Alan Moore from those days, I might not be quite so lucky in getting them signed. If he ever turns up at signings at all nowadays, I don't think he does, no, does he? I don't. Well, yeah, he does make public appearances, but they're more for either magical or musical events, or, yes. or magical musical events combined. Okay, so t- let's turn back to this comic mart because um, we've got this two-page, uh, as you say, in colour it would have been originally from the start of book five. Uh, no, I'm looking at the wrong thing again. From the start <laughs> of book six. Yes. And it's it's just full of little in-jokes about fans and conventions, um, which seems like an unusual moment in a Nemesis the Warlock story. But it's actually it's a great deal of fun, isn't it? Yes. Brian Talbot's having a lot of fun with the posters on the back walls and so on, parodying a number of well-known films as well. Yep, I was about 11 or 12, so I'd, I'd get a lot more of the references by this point. Like, right. There's a take on uh, In Space No One Can Hear You Scream, but this version's In Space No One Can Hear You Kill an Alien. Yes. <laughs> First, uh, is it actually Yul Brynner? Yeah, Yul Brynner is talking about it in Citizen Pure, not Citizen Kane. Uh, there's, there's take-offs of... Torquemada and Candida looking well. Torquemada doesn't look like Prince Charles, but Candida looks like Princess Diana. And certainly in the pose of that famous picture when they announced their engagement, it's the same pose. Isn't oh, it? I, I didn't realise it was the same pose as a specific picture. Uh, I, it is. I yeah. got the general hairstyle and it looked a bit like it. There's a clockwork orange take, but it's got Torquemada's face instead, or his helmet rather than face. We've seen his face by now. 
And also you notice that somebody is a man in one of the stalls who's wearing what appears to be an FP, possibly a Forbidden Planet T-shirt. Yeah. And is looking directly out of the page at us. And we're wondering whether that was actually a reference to, to, to somebody who worked at Forbidden Planet. I think it has to be, hasn't it? Yeah. It looks like it's got to be based on a real person, doesn't it? Yeah. So it's marvellous fun. It's talking murder or talking murder convention that's going on with people buying all this sort of um, Candida dolls or talking murder comics, um, a lot of which we see down at the front uh, on a stand. Um, plus, of course, the Royal Wedding parody stuff and Royal Wedding souvenirs that's going on as well. So it's great stuff. Tell us about... You said before that you know this was where... In the last book, this is where Nemesis started setting up things that would carry on for future volumes. So Pat Mills sort of expanding things out. Tell us a bit about what's happening in Nemesis the Warlock, book six, Talking Murder. Yeah, so at the end of book five, they'd gone off into the time wastes. In book six, they're going to be followed by the Terminators, led by Grand Dragon Mazarin. Uh, Here's the second picture of Nostradamus, which is similar to yes. the similar to the earlier reveal. So this is the end panel of um, the first episode of book six, uh, where we see Nostradamus with you know unmasked, yes, and his clawed hands, and it's um, as you say, it looks like it took a while to draw that, didn't it? Yeah, it's not just a quick picture and an afternoon. It's fantastic, isn't it? I mean, what a creepy image. Um, very sort of hammer horror, um, uh, I suppose, or even Toxic Avenger or something like that as well. Yep. Very gruesome, beautifully dra- done. And then over the page, we get the first double-page splash for the second episode, and it's a image of the scoop ship flying through uh, space, heading through the time waste, the overflow pipes from termites, black and white holes. And you've seen this page in um, in its original form, I yes. gather. Yes, yes. So when I saw, uh, when I met Brian Talbot at Fantasy World, that signing for Luther Arkwright, this is one of the pages that was on the wall. Right. And possibly the first ever comic page I'd seen live and it's always certainly a certain excitement when we see these things, these beautiful images live in their actual form yes. with little sort of printer's notes and marks and around the edges of the pages. Um, but also you get to see the actual ink on page, um, sometimes with or without corrections and so on. And you see how big they are as well. Yeah, big things. And I'm actually, while because I've got the advantage here, I've got the Hachette volume open and i've got the titan volume open and of course the titan volume we've got the advantage of a slightly larger page format um because it's soft bound rather than hard bound we can open up the two page spread i think and get a better idea of it and it's also i think there's more detail and contrast in the titan editions isn't there you can see more of the inking and the 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 line work that's going on it's a bit dark and inky in the Hachette volume I think yeah I know that Titan did have the advantage because often they were doing their reprints from the original artwork rather than what Hachette 
have had to do, which is go to second or third generation. Yeah, I mean, you know, the great thing about the Hachette is it's putting out these wonderful hardbacks that look so good on our shelves, and they've got some nice supporting material, some introductions and back matter and so on. But the Titans, although the binding often gave up on them, they're beautiful things. The art reproduction in them is stunning, isn't it? It is, yes. So for me, because I do have all the Titans already, a large part of it is I just wanted it all in one sort of cosy format. So it's the printing isn't always as good, but I can stand that because I do have the other editions as well. Yes, so we get some. You get the advantages of having it all in one place, uh, neatly bound, and it's not going to fall apart on us. Because I guess, like myself, you probably have to be a bit careful with some of your Titan collections there. I've always been careful with them, so mine aren't falling apart. But I imagine that. If I did use them or sort of read them a lot more often, they probably would start to do that. Yeah, they are, yes. I, I, yes, I remember you saying, actually, you do take care of yours, don't you? Mine have been a bit battered and around the block a few times. Yeah, I think I think part of it is because, how much is this? £4.95, and I think the prog at the time was about 30p. So I definitely, once I'd got my hands on something that expensive, I'd be taking a good care of it. Yes, um, I was interested on Facebook that somebody's been doing the maths on how much a collection of 2000 AD would cost you if you'd bought every issue at the cover price as the years went by. Um, an interesting little spreadsheet project going on on Facebook somewhere about that. <laughs> but yeah, they, they were uh, they were expensive things. I'm just looking, what does it say on this one? Yeah, £4.50 it says on mine. Titan Books 1986, so not all that long after the uh, story appeared in the prog. Yep. Oh yeah, I was looking. I was looking at book four. Uh, Titan is four ninety five, and then book five was four pound fifty. Right, and then there's a little introduction from Brian Tolbert, a very young looking Brian Tolbert, a picture of him uh, with a, what looks like a model of Nemesis the Warlock that he had as well. Uh, December 1986, it's it's dated, and it ends with, of course, Credo. Oh, and that model is by Tony Luke, who we'll be seeing later on. Oh, right, okay. So a little bit more about the story of this one, because later on we're going to get the Primords. Uh, Tell us about them. So the Primords are humanity far in the future, though Torquemada does not consider them to be human. Super evolved into basically goop. Yes. Um, and for some reason, it's so far evolved that they actually still need to have suits that look vaguely human to transport the goop around in. Yeah, when they're above, above water anyway. Yes, which is a slightly odd concept, but they do. And of course, we get these weird sort of alien helmets and so on. Uh, and of course, the ABC Warriors are in this one as well, which is great stuff. And there's some wonderful sort of demonic creations that Brian Tolbert gets to draw and ink, um, the monads. Yes. And then about halfway through, there was a break when it was being published. And then when it came back, it wasn't on centre pages anymore. So it lost the colour centre page, but stayed in lovely black and white uh, work. Fantastic stuff. And it's got a little epilogue tale as well, which has uh, something happening in 1864. And this is Satanus and Thoth turning up again, travelling through time, isn't it? Yes. So this is... Does it actually reveal what the connection is here? Yes, it says on the last page, 
tracking down and killing his previous incarnations. Fantastic. Um, and I know, you know, I mean, we've mentioned there's a lot of timey-wimey stuff going on with Satanus, the dinosaur, uh, the Tyrannosaur, um, because... <laughs> It's a bit complicated, the history of dinosaurs in 2000 AD. And very helpfully, again, Luke Williams has done a timeline for Satanus and the family tree, which is on the Everything Comes Back to 2000 AD website. And I will link to that when we uh, when this episode comes out, because it's quite helpful to explain how Satanus and um, the various sort of son of Satanus and so on, you know, crop up through time in 2000 AD. Yep. So I'm just having a quick look at that. Ah, naming. How to pronounce it. Do you pronounce it as Satan, us, or a homophone of Sultanas? Sultanas. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I've always... I've always been a Sultanas. What about you? I've always said Sultanas. Right, okay. But uh, once I read this a bit more carefully after this uh, podcast, I might have to... Change how, I, change how I pronounce it. <laughs> yeah, it's a very helpful article by Luke, which I will link to as well. Beautiful full-page work by Brian Tolbert here in um, book six. Again, you know, the some of his work looks like those weird Bruegel monstrous creations. Um, who were the weird painters that we referenced last time? I'm trying to think now. Uh, so yeah, I know. We talked about them last time, didn't we? Yeah, there's the Isle of Death. So I can picture it in my head, but I can't think what the name of the person. Bocklin is one of them. That's it. Right. And we're going to see... Oh, no, we're not going to see, because this doesn't get connected in her shirt. But there is a Hieronymus Bosch-inspired nemesis story. Bosch, that's the one. Hieronymus Bosch. Yeah. So we see some marvellous demonic creatures, almost as if they've come from another one of those Hieronymus Bosch paintings that yeah. I think Tolbert references from time to time. Yeah, Bruegel did uh, Tower of Babel, which is it could have its connections to Nemesis and uh, Mausoleum and those kinds of future cities. And you'd also mentioned um, that, you know, in the interview that's at the back of the book that Carl Stock had done, that Pat Mills had revealed some other influences on uh, the story and the artwork for Nemesis to Warlock in this sort of middle period. Yeah, so I've not heard of these uh, artists, but there's one called Kazar, who's a French comic artist, whose uh, full name is Philippe Casamayou. And there's another sci-fi writer and illustrator called Albert Robida, who seems to have done a turn-of-a-century fantasy, sci-fantasy uh, kind of artwork. What we'd now call steampunk, but he was actually doing it at that time. So, right. so to him, it was just futuristic. And, I mean, we know, you know, obviously we know lots of things about uh, Pat Mills. We know that he was uh, he still is a big fan of European comic art. Um, we know that he also always has a very close working relationship with his artists. And so after, you know, perhaps losing Kevin O'Neill to the American comics, he's formed a good relationship with Brian Tolbert for these books that we've been looking at. Uh, and I note that, um, that Brian, you know, he asked Brian what sort of things he'd like to draw. And Brian said something like Frankenstein. And so Pat Mills put that uh, idea in the Gothic Empire, I think. Yeah, literally Victor von Frankenstein. Right. 
that's who he wanted to draw and that's who he got to draw. Yes. So interesting stuff at the back of the volume. And I do like that the Hachette collections do have some nice glossy paged interviews and they usually have a, an introduction by uh, Matt Smith, um, which are, you know, I, they're worth, they're in, uh, interesting stuff, worth reading. Yeah. You know, in-depth comic insights from some of the people involved in creating these great comics. Yeah. Because I've got all those previous uh, collected editions, and I've read the creation interviews in a few of the sci-fi specials and annuals, I would have thought I wouldn't have anything new to learn. But there are a few things that uh, I can learn, even about one of my favourite comics after 38 years. I'd recommend the articles at the end of these for that. Um, yeah, they're fantastic stuff. You also mentioned about what Brian Talbot was doing, you know, his career before he gave it up to become a full-time comic uh, illustrator and writer. Yeah, so when he started uh, Gothic Empire, he wasn't a full-time comic artist. He was teaching, I think, wasn't he? Yeah, he's teaching graphic design, apparently. And oh, right, okay. So he's doing that during the daytime, and he's drawing the Gothic Empire uh, at night, sometimes staying up till 2 o'clock in the morning. Right. And then and then still having to go back to work the next day. Yes. <laughs> I was listening today, this morning, to PJ Holden on the uh, 2008 Thrillcast. And again, he was talking about that moment when you have to decide to give up the day job and concentrate full time on the uh, the comic, um, you know, drawing comic art. Yeah. And how, you know, that must be very daunting when you sort of like push away from the safe harbour of a um, nine-to-five paid job into freelance comic work. Alan Moore had a similar moment. Uh, He had two young daughters and he knew that if he didn't quit the mundane kind of work, he wouldn't do it any other time. But that worked out well for him. It worked out right for him and also for Brian Tolbert, who's gone on to... Uh, great stuff in his own right as a comic creator, as a graphic novel creator. We've obviously we've done the tale of one bad rat. We've done Alice in Sunderland. Have you read those two books? I have. Well, I've read most of Alice in Sunderland. It's quite a hefty right. book. So it is a hefty one. Yes. I think I moved house halfway through, and it got put in a box. And then by the time it came out of the box, I've not reread it, and then continued to finish it. But I do still have it on my bookshelf, so I'm going to finish it. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic, but it is a you know it is a hefty read. Yes. So let's go back to this Hachette volume. We've got three books of Nemesis, four, five, and six, plus the little ego trip story as well. Yes. We I think we know previously that your favourite Nemesis, the Warlock of all time, is book three. Yes. So that's the pinnacle. But of these three books four, five, and six, which is your favourite in this volume? It's probably going to be Gothic Empire. That's kind of cheating because it's twice as long as the other two books. Right. It's 20 episodes long and the others were 10 episodes each, I think. So, And there's a lot more. It's much wider scope. Some of it's in space battles. Some of it's on different planets. There's flashbacks to Earth and Deadlock's ABC Warrior days. So there's a lot going on in that story. And, yeah, it's fantastic, isn't it? And, of course, you know, as we've done it once already, but no no harm in revisiting it. It is wonderful stuff. I was a particular fan of the way Brian Talbot's art develops into books five and six and his brilliant depictions of the uh, Satanus, but also of um, 
uh, Nostradamus's creepy face is just wonderful stuff as well. So I really love that. Yeah. Which brings us to the Grail Page game. So I think there's one cover printed at the back of the Hachette volume, which is Prog 438, Death in the Fast Lane, which Brian Talbot says was used in a science fiction exhibition, I think, somewhere, possibly at the British Library. If we give you all of the artwork to pick from in this volume, which Grail pages are you going to choose to uh, to have and hang on your wall? So, for a number of reasons, uh, I like my future cities. So, anything with a big cityscape is certainly going to start going up my up in my estimations. So, Scott McLeod, who wrote a book called Understanding Comics, and has done a few more books about um, sort of. A, the creation of comics. Uh, he calls this apolyptic and has also been described as a multi-panel pan sequence where you take one image and split it into a number of, of different panels and each panel takes place in the same scene but at different points in time. So you can have a conversation between two characters who appear in multiple panels in the same uh, background, if that makes sense. So it's the first part of episode one, two, three, I think it's four, five. It's probably about episode five of book five. It's where Nemesis and Purity are walking down a walkway in Necropolis, I think it is. So you've got Mausoleum, the other city, across the abyss uh, in the background. And yeah, there's spaceships, there's tall towers, and a few pictures of Nemesis and Purity. Oh, right, I've got it now, yes. Yeah. Here it is. Oh, right, so what you get, yes, you get that beautiful thing where the city and buildings sort of like a constant throughout the panels, but yes. you get uh, almost a focus in on the characters who are walking along the walkway. Yeah. Yeah, beautifully done, beautifully laid out on that single page. Uh, marvellous work I will post that image when this episode comes out so people can see this comic technique that we're talking about what did Scott McLeod call it? he called it a polyptic right so we're going to give you that page from Nemesis book 5 did you you also want the Kevin O'Neill page from London Britannia oh yes yeah opening page from book 4 episode 2 where it's got um, what's it got airships with stripes on which uh, Kevin O'Neill seems to like in fact Kevin O'Neill does seem to like to put stripes on his airships and spaceships doesn't he he does yes it's yes. got uh, full size ocean liners going across aqueducts uh, it's got balconies it's got window cleaners or something like that it's got uh, handsome cabs flying through the air got all of the things you'd want from a steampunk apart from cogs and goggles yes exactly yeah add more add more cogs than yeah. it would be yeah but back then steampunk didn't seem to mean just stick the cogs on it which is what some modern steampunk seems to do it certainly does yes okay so that's um book four the uh the kevin o'neill page london britannia and then from book five the um the politic 
or polyptych of um, the nemesis and purity walking uh, against the background of a city, which is fantastic. A lovely image. Yes. Any other particular standout pages or images for you? Uh, there's lots of there's lots of individual panels, but I think page wise, it's those two are the best two. You know, there's things like the Rings of Britannia. There's the Equatorial Express where the train's going through or above the jungle towards the equator. Yes, I remember that one. That's uh, from the Gothic Empire as well, isn't it? Yep. There's a state funeral of Torquemada where you've got Candida with a little smile uh, playing on her lips because she's hoping hoping that she's free of Torquemada. That's at the end of the Gothic Empire. Okay. So I will post all these images when the episode comes out. Yeah. I'm going to I I was torn on this one. I was torn between one of the images of Nostradamus's horrible face, the scoop ship that we've mentioned from uh, book 6. But I'm actually going to go back to book 5 to the end of the second episode of book 5, which is the appearance of Satanus. His satanic majesty has returned. Um that sort of terrifying image of the tyrannosaur crouching in a cave terrorising some poor bloke while yep. Thoth hangs in midair behind him. As you say, again looks like it wasn't quick and easy to draw does it? No. But I'm going to take that page as my grail page from this. Something else that happens at the end of this book is that the ABC warriors leave Nemesis or rather they get sent off on a mission to the black hole control room so they will go into their own story, which I believe you have covered already. Yeah, I think all the way back in episode eight, when we were in single figures with Julius Howe in a rather noisy pub. But yeah, uh, we have done uh, the ABC Warriors, the Black Hole, and hopefully Julius will be returning at some point with some more ABC Warriors uh, in the future. And also, Sheridan Kelly may be returning at some point in the future with more Nemesis the Warlock. Yep. This is volume two from the Hachette Collection, how many volumes of Nemesis are they going to do in the Hachette? Do you know? There are four altogether. Right. And apart from the Dice Man stories, that's one for Nemesis and one for Torquemada, which I also believe you've already covered in a, yes, we have. In a Dice Man special. I think that is the whole of the main narrative of Nemesis. So Brother Sheridan will return at some point to discuss the Hachette Volume 3. But we might also get you back at some point in the future. We might be talking about Luther Arkwright, perhaps. Yes, that would be good. That would be interesting because, as I say, I haven't read it since it came out. Um, I have recently, because of lockdown, I've been trying to sort out my comic boxes. I know it's here somewhere in the house, but you know that situation well, uh, Sheridan. You know, yeah, I've we've d- got this. I've done much the same thing myself for about a month or two ago. I was looking for some Daredevil comics for another podcast I may be doing, um, which is probably out by this time. But And, of course, they were in the last book box I looked in, uh, as usually they are, aren't they? That's not Mega City Book Club, though, is it? What's that no, one? No, no, that's something different altogether. Yeah, that's, that's Tony Esmond's podcast that he's doing during the lockdown. Um, I'm hoping to do buy this. As, as I say, by the time this episode comes out, that should be out on the Never Iron Anything podcast. Yeah. So how many different podcasts are you doing? Because you do the British Invaders one. I do British Invaders, which comes out every two weeks with Brian from Canada. And we talk about British uh, genre television, sort of fantasy, science fiction, horror, uh, that sort of stuff. I do make a CC book club and I've popped up on a couple of other podcasts here and there, including Space Spinner 2000, which I've also, I gather you're popping up on or probably will be on by the time this comes out. 
I don't know when it will be broadcast, but it is coming up soon, yes. We are stuck in our own time wastes at the moment, Sheridan. There's some timey-wimey stuff going on. There's stuff that's been recorded that won't be out for a while, and there's this one that won't be out for a while. But anyway, it's all out there available, and I will put some links in the show notes for all these various uh, side projects. Which brings us to guest projects, because I think last year when we were in a restaurant in, um, is it Seven Dials? Yeah, Covent Garden, Seven Dials, yeah. Yeah, we were talking a little bit about your prog slog, um, and it's progressed a bit now. It's become a much more uh, regular uh, update, I think. Is that right? Yes. So initially, I started about three years ago, three or four years ago. The plan was to do one a day, every day, and not just the 2008 progs, which quite a few people have done. Uh, Some people have actually done podcasts and or uh, blogs about them. But I wanted to do a blog every day. Uh, not just 2000 AD, but also Star-Lord, Tornado, Annuals, Specials, any of the other stuff that I've picked up over the years. My initial run at that came to a bit of a halt when I came up to one of the early annuals because there's so much text and there's so much reprint of things that I wouldn't really have read otherwise. But it just, the slog part of blog slog was really emphasised at that point. Uh, so it did actually take about a year and a half or two years off. But when I appeared on your show last year, that spurred me on to restart it all. And I've managed to keep up that momentum now. So I went from about prog 50, prog 60 or so. I'm now on prog 280, somewhere around there. So yeah, and I've, I'm actually managing to do one every day apart from one month last year where I had a bit of a pause. Right, so you're keeping it up now. Uh, that, yep. This is at sheridanwild.wordpress.com. Yes. Uh, have a look in the show notes to find that link uh, so you can see where this is going on. And yeah, you've been churning them out recently. You've been, um, as you say, getting on with the slog. Yes. And at some point it will be a Meg Trek as well? It will, yep. So I'm on 1982 at the moment. Uh, magazines, oh, right. okay. magazine starts in 1991 so there's a little bit in the future for you for that one in the time wastes it is yes i think i'm going to have crisis and revolver coming up before i get to the magazine as well oh right you're doing those as well yeah everything that was under the 2008 banner that i actually have there's one or two things i won't be able to cover because things like the judge dread phone cards which had a story they they cost about £10 for each card, which was like one panel on each card. I did not manage to pick that up, and so I won't be covering that bit. But everything else I will be covering, including uh, the board game, which is coming up soon. Oh, right. Okay. You know, the Judge Dredd board game, the classic uh, Brian Bonham cover, Ian Gibson yes. art. That will probably already have been published by the time this podcast gets broadcast. Fantastic. Okay, so head to sheridanwild.wordpress.com and I'll pop that uh, link in the show notes. Just turning back very briefly to Nemesis the Warlock, the, the Hachette volumes, you can usually pick them up on eBay now. Some of them, I think, on the uh, Hachette site are usually are out of print now. This, The stories, of course, I guess this goes through two of the phone books from Rebellion. I think it's volume one and volume two to cover these stories. Would that be right? I'm afraid I've no idea. I don't have the phone books. 
I think the first four books of Nemesis are in the first complete volume. So books five and six are in the second volume with with uh, book seven as well, I think is how it goes. Yeah. In, a, in the Rebellion phone books, how many phone books have they got for all of Nemesis? Oh, is it three or four that there's out now? I had the impression it was three. Yeah, okay. That probably sounds right. I'd have to look on the app and check. But some of some of these stories I already had about four times, so I didn't get them. Right. Because I think once you've got the Titan editions, you didn't really need to get a smaller printed edition. So I never looked at them twice. So as we say, lovely Titan editions. Okay, great. Sir Sheridan, anything else you want to mention before we wrap up? Nope, that's it. Okay, we look to welcoming Brother Sheridan back to the podcast in the future for more Nemesis and for some Luther Arkwright, perhaps. Hope everybody's keeping safe and well. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Mega City Book Club. Find out more about the podcast at megacitybookclub.com, where you'll also find links to these other various podcast enterprises and to Sheridan's blog. And you can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, the 2080 forums, and on Spotify. And you can get in touch by emailing me, mcbcpodcast at gmail.com, if you've got a book that you'd like to discuss on the book club. So that'll do us. Thanks again, Sheridan. No problem. So until next time on Mega City Book Club, when we'll be passing judgment on another great book, it's goodbye from me and... Be pure, be vigilant, behave. Right.